You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject you've tuned in to listen to is Paul Hogue from the Melbourne outfit Contrive. The reason for the conversation is to talk up the band's 2017 release, Slow Dissolve. Let's have a listen to what he has to say then. Here we go. Twice now, but I'm going to say for the third time, congratulations on a stellar musical offering. The stellar album from both yourself and your bro is called Slow Dissolve. And, mate, I'm a long-time fan of metal, and I'm hearing a bit of Death, Killing Joke, Devon Townsend, Faith No More, Coroner, and of all things, Dream Theatre. But it's all bound together by some very tasty arrangements. And you know what I like best about your offering here, mate, is that I can hear everything that music breathes. I can get my head around what I think yep. you both and both yourself and your brother are trying to achieve sonically, and there's no sensory overload. So I'm going to open with a very broad yep. question, mate. Tell us about the album in your own words. Um, well, you pretty much sort of summed up a lot of that, that we were aiming to let the music breathe in terms of songs, song structures, etc., but not sort of copy those bands that you mentioned because we we're fans of those bands but we haven't set out okay we like a bit of this so let's chuck that in there it all went in the melting pot and we just came out with what we did and when it came to mix time you know Dave uh, plays in Devon's band he's a long time friend as well and you see even though Dev mixed our last album Dave and his brother Mike had started to do their own sort of mixing with some bands in Canada and he just said, look, hit us up. We're happy to give you guys a test mix. Um, and originally we were going to be getting our album mixed by um, Tommy from Coroner, Tommy Patelli. Um We discussed it awesome. with him and he cool. did a rough mix. But he was just so swamped with schedules. And this was, uh, I can't remember now, maybe, uh, I can't remember, late last year we talked about it. And he said, oh, we wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be able to do anything until even April or something this year. I think I may have my dates mixed up, months mixed up. But anyway, it was just going to be too hard for him. And yeah, we're good friends with him as well. And he's like, you know, you know, job business is business and all that sort of stuff too. And he just said, look, I don't want to waste your time and mine. I've got lots of other things on the go as well. But then we thought, that's cool. We may, he said, I'm happy to do your next one if you want, you know. And so when we Dave and his brother and then we just discussed how we wanted sounds, we did sort of say to him, this is, this is the gear we sort of used. Um, and we are sort of a foot in the old school, foot in new school. And in a way, a lot of people, I think, are fatigued from the recording of a lot of bands today. Everyone's using, it almost sounds like everyone's using that wet sandbag snare sound. No, I totally um, agree, mate. Everything yeah. is just, mm. yeah, everything is just, everyone's fighting for space in those frequencies where normally in an instrument, the drummers are the loudest. So the guitar's got to come up, but everything has been pushed up. And then, oh, the vocals need to be front and center because that's what people listen for with metal. The main thing is the vocals. And that fights for space too. And then you get these compressed to the hell um, files that you can't hear things breathing, you know. And, you know, Dave and his brother took that on board and then we listened back. And, yeah, I think we've come out with a perfect mix of a, good modern, you know, digital sound and recording because recording to analog today is expensive still, but then you're still running that through um, digital gear as well. So people say, I can hear the warmth in a, um analog recording, but then you can't really tell if that's a plug-in from a digital recording. Um, yeah. But so we just sort of said to him, you know, we'll just keep listening to different mixes and levels and things like that and got it mastered here. And the amazing thing for us was, 
when we were getting the album finished in the last couple of days of mastering, Dave was in town with Devon and we went and picked Dave up from the, the hotel and said, do you want to come and sit in for the mastering? Because we'd sent him a mastered version of a couple of songs to start with and he said, yeah, it's sounding good. Then it kind of worked out scheduling-wise with um, Jack the Bear who mixes in Melbourne, Tony. Um, yep. And we said, Dave, do you want to, can Dave come in and sit in as well? And he did. He sat at the chair and tweaked a few things here and there. But like I said earlier, put, you hit the nail on the head that nothing, it's, it's sonically, to me, it's sonically comfortable. You can crank it like older albums. It sounds better when you turn it up. Um, and you find some, you know, it, it, it's, it's comfortable to listen to. It's not ear grating with just, everyone fighting mm -hmm. for space yeah. so thank you for and, and thanks for those compliments of those bands as well you know um yeah we're 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 just open-minded metal guys and we just like to in a way do our own thing and you know musically i think we have fallen fallen in the cracks throughout our career because we've set out to always just do what we think sounds good and if people enjoy it cool if not then they're not so you know there's a yeah. million other clone bands to listen to listen <laughs> to you know there's so many, yeah, I shouldn't say that totally, but there's a million bands that sound too similar to each other. And like you said earlier as well, with production, it's getting lost. Like to me, some newer bands, like older bands are sounding like the newer bands and who's copying who? And it's almost yeah. saying they've got the same production. Like I'm not really a fan of trivium or anything like that, but um, even some of the older bands are sounding like that with that modern, modern production just to keep with the times. Otherwise yeah. people would say, Oh, it sounds old school, you know? So it is a juggle of, of today's technology. So it is what it is. But yeah, we're very, very happy with the, with how it turned out and I'm very pleased that you enjoy it. So, mate, yeah, thank you for that. And you're the band's vocalist and I take it you're the band's lyricist as well. So is there a theme or a concept yep. throughout the album? Um, yeah, well, for me, I write a lot of stuff in between recordings and it could be just one or two lines that stick in my head. I've got a notepad in the car or I have one in my side of my bed, sort of in the top drawer and sometimes on my phone if I'm traveling. Yeah, just things. I just compile things over time and then when it comes time to putting things together, look back on what I've written and I can sometimes craft a song based on a line. Um, but it's loosely based on observations of today's society it's something that we can't ignore and we can't sort of turn away from you know for example the connect dead song which is a video clip that we did is yeah, based love upon that track, social media yeah. it's something yeah thanks that's something that we can't live without i've grown up without it but i've adapted to it um younger kids and i've got twin nieces and they're their heads in iPads every time I see them. Go outside and play. Oh, yeah. we'll do that a bit. And then they're on their iPads inside. And it's it's scary, but it's also we live in amazing times that technology can do so much for us, but it can hinder us as as human beings um, with connection to each other. And, um, yeah, a lot of songs like that, just with the, like, Slow Dissolve itself is, you know, it's, it's kind of a slow dissolve of humanity in its own way, in terms of people connecting with each other and people wanting to be accepted more and more. Um, you see a lot of things on TV where people just are very emotional today, very fragile today, you know, with high anxiety and stress. And we all have mm -hmm. that yeah. in daily life. And it's, it's stacked on top even more. But I think with lots of social media, um, 
that adds fuel to it by saying, you know, I noticed a lot of stuff. I take notice. I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I when it's on in the background um, somewhere, I notice that there's a lot of advertising where it's all, you deserve this, you can do that, you this, or I want this, I want that, I deserve this. And then it becomes a, a me focus, you know, and that's when people get caught up that it's all about them. And that's where you see people outpouring every bit of emotion that they're feeling by typing it as though they're speaking like you and I now. And then what we're speaking about is gone. Just what I just said is just, that's yeah. in the past mm-hmm. now, but when you put it to print, whatever, it's stuck there until it's deleted. People screenshot other people's things. And yeah, we live in pretty crazy times with that. So a lot of those lyrics were based a lot since the last album, kind of furthered on from the last album. I just write observations of, of life and, and thought and yeah, just just things like that, you know. That's how I've sort of observed things and put it put it to paper like that, you know. And what were you trying to achieve with this release? And what I mean by that, are you looking to make inroads into Europe or the grand United States of America? Yeah, pretty much. Well, we've sort of, we've always sort of tried to do our own thing. Um, and overseas as well, a lot of friends have said, man, you guys would do well in Europe. And of course, the affordability five years ago was still quite hard. And, you know, the re- reality of doing what we do, like other bands in this country, we all work jobs you know, and with the recent stepping aside of our bass player, Tim, because he's got a young family and he's got to work to support that. And as you know, being in bands, you don't really make money. And we had a bit of a, we hit, we kind of hit a crossroads as well because we said, Andrew and I want a tour. We've got lots of friends worldwide and and we'd like to try to get over there and do some stuff. We were grateful to play in uh, Thailand 2009 and um, then we played in Vietnam, being the first metal band to ever play Vietnam in 2011. That was amazing. Yeah, because um, yeah, they're untapped areas and these people deserve to see bands just Agreed. like us and mm. any, anywhere in Europe, which we've become spoiled for choice. Same with you know people in Europe and Scandinavia. Like I've traveled those countries many times and they're just used to it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we, we're still with this album trying as well. And, you know, as you know, the music business itself has gone, it's changed a lot since our last album and it changed a lot since our first album. So no one knows where it's going. You just have to sort of go with the flow of it and see where it's going. But there's a lot more of bands being in more control of their own business. That's what it is sort of thing than ever before, you know, and people still have their mindset in kind of the old model where, oh, you're not signed to a label. You're not good enough. But then you see people get signed to, I don't know, some bedroom label in Germany and people go, wow, that's awesome. You're signed. But then you go, what's that label going to actually do for you to help you reach a wider audience that you can't already do that yourself by Facebook posts and using other various signs of, um, various ways of social media because that's where everybody lives now on that sort of stuff. So yeah, we're, we're still making the inroads with people and sending it to people we know. And, but there's never been a, a beg and grovel. Oh, please, please take us on tour. Cause the reality is it's a pay to play on these things. And to get on some of these big tours, we can ask, yeah, we've got famous friends, big deal. But if we said to Devin and those guys, take us on tour. He handballs that into his management. Management checks out what we do and then thinks of logistics and then says, okay, guys, you have to pay for this. This, this is what this, it's going to cost, this. yeah. You know, it's not a, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And it's, mm. it's not cheap, you know, and, and um, yeah, so we're, it's still early days since the album's come out and, um, you know, we played that first show last week and played the whole album in its entirety and start to finish as cool. we are as a two piece and our bass player Tim was there as well, which was great. And I actually spoke to him about an hour ago and he said it was strange. I had five people come up to me saying, oh, how do you feel about being here? And he said, what do you mean? And, and there was never any, any issues of, you know, like I said earlier, he didn't leave. We didn't sack him. He didn't quit. We just got to that point and it was around the time that Andrew and myself, our dad passed and we needed Sorry something to, you, to keep yeah. us going. That's right. It's, it's still, it's still very hard. You know, it's, it's something that never goes away. You just find yeah. better ways to live with it. And I know many of other people in my position and, people before them and after me it's a cycle it's life so we just sort of said okay we could try many other guys that we know in in bands as well good friends but we want someone that's dedicated just like andrew and i are to doing what we do and if you're playing together for so long to get someone else in they have to sort of work with you until they get to the point where it's comfortable that all three have to work together and because we're probably one of the longest bands in the scene over the years that have had a solid Indeed, lineup yeah. since, since we started. And I'll, cause I'll look at old metal for the brain flyers I find in the cupboard and go, <laughs> wow, there's 18 or 20 bands here and two of them are still going or three of them yeah, are still going. Two guys from that band are in, yeah, in this band with these guys and that guy. And then, oh, those guys were amazing. And then dropped off or life got away and you know, lots of different things. So, um, yeah, back to what you were saying, we're just going to, you know, keep knocking on doors and, and then keep sort of doing it. But ultimately, since we got that first show out the road last week that we're just going to start playing again and we're kind of going to, like we always did, we've, we've never fitted into styles. Um, I went through kind of a, uh, a bag full of flyers in a, a couple of months ago in winter and just found a fly where on a Thursday night we played at it's not it's not that bar anymore the art house in Melbourne Thursday night it was us yep. psychroptic and band called fuck I'm dead which is just brutal grind yep. um all three of us on the one bill 10 bucks and I was like that would never happen today because there's it's such a I wouldn't say totally segregated scene it's now but now scene, you've got yeah. other subjects Yep, you've got other sub-genres on top of other genres, you know, like the Deathcore kids took over from death metal and hardcore and then their look is different to the death metal guys. And I think a lot of things today, it becomes face value, it's appearance. People will look at what these guys look like that, oh, no, they don't play that sort of music. I'm not going to check them out. Or they haven't got neck taps or big earlobes holes in their ears. So what sort of stuff do they play? Oh, that's, that's metalcore. Metalcore's dead now. You know what I mean? And yeah. it goes through so exactly many different stages that, <laughs> yeah. So we're just like, okay, we'll get back out there and play with whoever, you know, and we are suited to some of the proggier bands now with this release, but we haven't set out to, I was thinking we've that never actually. set out yeah. actually to, I was thinking exactly what yeah, you are just saying. We've never now, yeah. set it. Yeah. We've never set out and been a genre hopping band because I think, if you try to follow a scene or follow a trend, you're always going to be a step behind. And I think people can see through that. And people that come up to us after a gig that says, hey, man, that was really good. Even if it's one person that does it, to me, that's the job done. Is someone appreciating what you did that they enjoyed. 
because a lot of people can't walk up to someone that's just played the show, even if they're just a local guy in a band or a big rock star, to say, hey, I enjoyed what you did. A lot of people can get a bit shy with that sort of stuff. And we've always just played with whoever and we'll get back out there and continue to do that, you know, and just do our own thing and people can see the honesty in, in what we play and it's, it's always there. It's always going to be there. You know, that's just how we roll. So people have got to get used to two-piece. Oh, no, nah, two-piece metal bands, but there's tons of them out there. You just... There's Jump on the internet machine and you'll find eight now. Yeah, there's a Manta, even Satyricon, a two piece these days, you know? Yeah, yeah, as well. Dark Throne have always kind of been a two piece oh, since they became black metal. But yeah, same with yeah. Satyricon. They're, when you see these bands and there's a photo, there's just a duo. Two dudes. You know? And um, yeah, two dudes. But then, of course, they've got a bigger budget. They're a bigger band where they can hire dudes to do it. But then there's also that idea i know a couple of guys that aren't playing in bands that go i can't get a band together it's just a drummer and myself and i saw a couple of these guys at a show and i went just do what my brother and i are doing don't be scared of it just embrace it and get out there go for oh, it oh no we it. need That's a exactly, bass player and yeah. i go you know we didn't expect to get the the kind of response and wow it actually works and my bass player our, our bass our old bass player tim watched and said it just looked natural. It looked great. It was just awesome when we played, just the two of us. I'm going to you go. So, going and to like you said, yeah, Manta. Manta, yeah. And I'm going to go there on this point here because, you know, you guys fit smack bang yep. in the middle of this one here. I am a bass player. I'm also a guitarist, but my primary instrument is bass. Yep. In metal, I almost feel as though the bass is redundant. Do you agree with that or, have, or am I being too general when I say that? Um. No, I don't think it is. It depends on what the bassist sort of does. And for us as a band with Tim, Tim's all, he was an amazing bass player. And I just and I come up with a riff, and it'd be simple. Like I, my a lot of my stuff isn't Malmsteen mixed with I don't know Petrucci, <laughs> sort of whatever. But Tim will Tim will come up with a really cool bass line that'll sort of slot in. And he goes, Oh, do you think that's too much? And we'd always just say, Play what you want to play as long as it fits. We're not, nah, man. It's all about me. I'm the guitarist singer. You just hang in the back. So I feel bass players can be overlooked. They're there to hold the bottom end. Just like to me, drummers get overlooked. I watch drummers more than guitar players when I, if a band's good and the drummer's on fire, I'm like, I do too. I'm enjoying I, watching I'm this like dude. As well. and, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, um, so yeah, no, like it's, it's much of a muchness with that sort of stuff. If a bass player is a focal point in the sound, yeah, it's, it's it's a big part of it, but if he's just going to be plodding along, yeah. jumping in and out of the, the, the drummer's patterns and then following the guitar, it's almost the same as keyboard players almost become redundant because people use backing tracks like we're sort of doing as well. Or even go back to Maiden and Sabbath Live for years, they've had a dude under the stage playing keyboards. Aussie well, solo not a focal in particular point. always has, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, bass is cool, but other friends said, wow, the bass tracks that you're running of Tim's sound real and amazing. I said, we're not plugging an iPod in with an MP3 bass track. We've got proper stuff sort of set up, you know. But, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's so it's such an open playing field today that um, it's doable, you know, that people can, and people are very open-minded today to see bands with three guitarists now or even two bass players and um, things like that, that it's not nothing, particularly in metal, nothing's really shunned, you know, it's accepted. It's like, okay, cool. Well, if think, that works and I'm seeing something a bit different, that's great. 
Well, I almost think if you're playing um, lower than C, then there's almost no point mm. in a bass, almost sonically, unless you're doing that, you know, that Neo... Yep. God, I'm going to get... I always get this band's name incorrect, but is it Neo Obscovarus or... Um, oh, Neo Yeah, and the Parsi. Unless you're doing that sort of bass work, that bass player was awesome. He was all over the shop. Oh, you know, the Cynic-style bass playing? Um, unless you're doing oh, yeah, that... So- that's yeah. almost up there doing shredding like the guitarist. Totally, yeah. yeah, totally. And it's but there are a lot of bands, and and I won't name anybody because it's irrelevant. But there are a lot of bands where the bass yeah. is almost you know even on a five string bass, they're tuned down well below B, almost to to A sharp yeah. and A flat and some or you know the A frequency, and it's like Jesus, I can't hear a goddamn thing because the, there's two guitars, so there's two guitars and a bass, and. From a sonic perspective, if they're sticking from the fifth fret and below on what is typically known as the B string on a five string bass, what the hell is the point? Yep, that's only my opinion, but as a bass player, I look, I look at it. Not and that's the thing too. And yeah, the same thing. The whole seven string, eight string, everyone doing Meshuga riffs and yeah. tune right down low. Why, why is there any need for a bass then? If the guitars are so, people think it's going to add even more more brown note, doom or whatever. But, you know, it's well, look, I'll, I'll go to each their point. own horses is, for courses. I, I'll go there on this point. This is You're not saying this, I'm saying this, but I watched Die Art as Murder, and I understand mm. the bassist has just been given an endorsement by Music Man, and I played Music Man as well. But to be honest with you, I can't hear the yep. poor bloke. And I've seen them a couple of times live. So it's almost like as if the endorsement is because... He is to be seen and not heard. And I'm not making any criticism there of the band. I love the fact that an Aussie metal band is out there in Europe and the US and doing wonderful things. Oh, yeah, they're doing really well. Wonderful things, mate, wonderful things. But I'd love to see him riff a bit more, like the guy in Vipassi and Neobs... I'll say it wrong again, I'm sorry. <laughs> Neobs... Neobliviscaris. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'd love to see him do a bit more. And that's I did a review of them recently, and I think I'm... I don't know, I can't remember if I made the point, sorry, but I think I wanted to make the point, but I... I didn't feel comfortable doing it, but I wanted to see him do a little bit more up above, not so much the 12th fret, but up above the 7th fret, you know, just to be heard a little yep. bit more, you know. And I think that's I think that's what you guys do so well, because I, I do listen to the records that I review and that I listen to prior to an interview with headphones on. But the point that I want to make is yep. I didn't feel as though the bass frequency was missed on your album. I do feel as though you've created a very broad album sonically. And look, whether it's Tim playing the bass or did was is there bass on on the album proper or um, did you remove it completely? Yep, yep. Tim. Oh, there is. Yep. No, Tim. Tim played that on the album, and we got the bass tracks that um, we took from the recording via Davey sent us all the stems and everything, and then we've just been running them and and we practice it first. And we were thinking, oh, we're out of time, and the bass player is always going to be perfect because he's a track. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tim. Tim played. Yeah, he's played on everything we've done, and it was hard to sort of pin him down because he had a new, had his second child, and you know when we're still dealing with that stuff and work, everything was happening at the same time, and um, yeah, so we were wrapped that he he got around to getting it done because we wanted him to sort of do it, and yeah, like I said earlier, that we asked him to. We always when we write songs, I craft things, and Andrew and I have always sort of jammed the two piece because of Tim's schedule over the years that we sort of come up with the songs and then Tim slots in, but then we're all, we're all diplomatic. We always have been, and we're just um, open, or democratic, I should say. Um, we were all open to swapping things around and 
and I go, okay, maybe I'll do a vocal on your bass line and let the guitar drop out or whatever. So we were just always open that, and, and we never thought uh, what we did on that last album didn't work. Let's try this style so we can see if we can get some interest there. We were just always trying to write. Tim always said that. We're just writing. You've got to write for the song. You know, because I'd have my moments where I'd go, oh, mm. I should I should be busier on guitar. I should do more. I should try more. But then you see the guys in the band like Korn, who started the whole generation of bands. Those guys are very good guitar players. I've seen them on YouTube as well, doing different things to what they do in their band, you know, and they're known for what they do, but then they can do other things too, you know. But, um, yeah. yeah, as far as, you know, Tim, Tim getting the bass stuff done, it's all real and it sounds great. And he even stood there watching us and listening and went, sounded really cool. <laughs> With the yeah, yeah. You don't need to turn up and set up and, and pack up at all. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you can st- actually, that's an interesting scenario. You can hear yourself playing the band, but from the audience's perspective, but it is your bass lines coming through the PA. Yeah. I've never thought of it like that before because I've always been the bass player in a band. So there you go. No, good on you. Tim, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I certainly empathize with him because I've got two young kids myself and um, I know I've had to sort of make yeah. a lot of decisions about what I did with music. And part of the reason I do music journalism at the moment is because I couldn't, I could never really be in an originals band and the commitment that it takes to make an originals band, even a semblance of a success like yourself and your brother have been able to do. So I do need to ask this question here now, mate. Mate, it's tough enough being in a band and rehearsing and putting up with other people's idiosyncrasies. But in families, things can go from pleasant to argument in no time at all. So how do yourself and Andy not murder each other when you're in the studio or on the road? That's happened. It's nearly happened a few times (laughs) over the years. But I don't know, as we get a bit older, we, we just find better ways to learn to get along with each other and give each other space with with how we are together and Andrew's always been more dominant with things and he's great at organizing he's always managed the band and done stuff because he's had what 16 years when he was running the century media label so he's on computer doing this and emails and this and that so he's kind of been the forerunner for since our since the inception of the band of doing all that sort of stuff and I've written a lot of the music but there hasn't been I'm doing more and you're doing less we each have a role to play, but then we're all open to it. And now that, because sometimes Tim was a bit of a buffer between us as brothers, he would be in between the arguments and sure. crap, yeah. you know, and yeah. there's other guys I know in in bands that are brothers and they said, yeah, you have your brotherly tiffs and you got to have someone else in between. But we were having a few of those during the ending of the recording because it was a stressful time for what we were going through as well. And since it's, all done and the album's done we haven't had any issues at all we just want to start to get back out there and and start playing but yeah you just find ways to just get through it you know and not not have petty crap like you were if you were 16 again you know we're still into the same stuff at that age but Mm -hmm. we've just learned not to be as as stupid with some things and and carry on you know (laughs) yeah fair enough mate and and look just back to the album i really do like your vocal in particular uh, it reminds me of a cross between Killing Jokes, Jazz, Coleman, Circa, Pandemonium, P- Pandemonium, particularly on the track yep. The Immediate Age, and one of my favourite of all time yep. is Chuck Schuldiner, and uh, this is particularly on the song uh, Throwaway, wow. Circa, Human. So who are your vocal inspirations? Um, well, it always started off with Old Sepultura from like Beneath the Remains of Rise mm. era, 
I learned to sing the heavy voice from singing along with those sorts of songs. And then over the years, I like singers as well. You know, people do say, oh, could you do the heavy and clean people? I've had a lot of comparisons. Burton from Fear Factory. And I go, yeah, he's a good guy and he's a good singer. He's he's made his mark by doing that sort of stuff. But yeah, over the years, no one in particular. It's just been listening to the music and on this album particularly pushing myself with, okay, this vocal section here, I have to sing a bit differently. I can't just yell. I'll even try a different kind of yelling. Otherwise, I'm just going to be cookie monster vocals over a really cool part of a song that can kind of spoil it, you know? Mm -hmm. And yep. I hear that with some bands. And, and that's always been the fickle thing with metal. You know, I worked in retail for many years in music and people I worked with were like, hey, I like metal. I love the music, but I hate the vocals, you know? And... You know, the appeal doesn't have to appeal to the um, wider community, but when you want to listen to something and you go, oh, the music sounds great, and then predominantly for metal, you're waiting for a great voice to, to really even push the sound, and sometimes that's a letdown. Even for me, I go, oh, I need, they need a better singer. This guy isn't as good for that music. So for me, the singer, I'm just trying to do my own thing, but I love stuff like, you know, like Patton, he's a genius for what he does. Awesome, um, yeah. Even um, Jonas from Catatonia, he's, he's amazing for what he does. Mike from Opeth's amazing. And they both, you know, particularly Mike, I don't think I'm a very good singer, but he's just got a really nice tone to his voice. Great, yeah. Same with Nick from Paradise Lost. Um, awesome, yeah. Wonderful comparison yeah, there, yeah. People like that. Even even Tom Araya from Slayer as well, like his sort of vocals. I've kind of grown up on the singers that you can understand. They could be singing about I Stepped in Dog Shit, but you can understand what they're saying. And in more recent times, you got a lot of the the vocalist front man doing the mic cupping where it's all it's all inaudible, you know, and it sounds brutal, but you know, they don't you've got to be clear with your voice. And being a guitar vocalist, you can't hide your hand from the mic to distort yes. it even more to mm. make it sound more brutal. You've got to uh you know make sure everything comes out. I oh, know I'm just into sort of clarity and even, you know, the, the oldest singer that was in The Haunted, Peter Dolving, that guy had amazing pipes for what he... Yeah. In that sort of vocal ability where it's very... Um, sorry, I think my phone's going to be funny. Can you yeah. hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, cut out for a bit. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, um, yeah, you know, just listening to the older singers that, that do a, a heavy style that's understandable and it's proper technique i find that's what i've sort of learned and oh, i've went and got lessons over the years more to do with the the singing stuff and singing teacher was like i can't teach you heavy stuff because you've obviously got that down you know without losing your voice and that hasn't happened and um even someone like Devin, that guy's a genius with what he does vocally as well yeah. you know so wonderful yeah, i've just tried different yeah. things and yep hilarious <laughs> and um <laughs> I'll just get, and another band as well. I'm just actually looking at my CD shop at the moment, pointing out <laughs> singers. Joe from Gojira is amazing, amazing. Oh, Gojira, the Mastodon yeah. guys have improved. Though. Yep, they've Mastodon guys have improved tenfold with their vocals over the years too, and I've followed them since their early days. Um, so yeah, our next lot of songs, we don't know what's going to come. It's exciting about it um, because we're we're not genre specific, which you obviously can hear that. Um, but I really we'll like try, that about you. Actually. I'll try other things yeah, that's too. That's wonderful about what mm. you guys do. It's 
you know, it's going in one direction, then it changes. And that's where I alluded to the proggy element before. But, you know, I only say the proggy element yep. because there are so many elements of metal and rock built into your sound. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's almost impossible to pigeonhole you, but in the same time, isn't that a wonderful thing to say about a band? It's just great hard rock or heavy metal music. Yep. That's the thing. We love it how people can't define us, but of course we're not reinventing any wheel whatsoever. We're just throwing in a pot full of influences and bands that we like and not specifically copying them, but just this feels good. And then Andrew might come up with a drum pattern that'll, uh, it'll just give me a different guitar idea. And I wrote the keyboard ideas, but Dave added to them and cause he's a keyboard player, genius, keyboards, guitarists, everything. He, he goes, I love what you did because it complemented your guitar part. And a lot of those keyboard ideas were guitar riffs, were little guitar licks that I just said, since we haven't got two guitarists, I'm going to make the keyboard be kind of the second guitarist to complement the guitar and the keyboards. And it actually really worked. Um, so yeah, that, and like I said earlier, that's the hard thing too, that when people ask me, who do you sound like? You know, people want People want to know what they're going to hear first. They want to be told what they want to hear instead of being a bit open-minded. And that's probably why we haven't had huge, huge success over the course of our career is because we don't we don't, don't fit in specifically to a genre. Um, and, you know, because if you're stuck in a genre, you don't really have anywhere to move unless you do like a Celtic Frost and do Cold Lake and, and then all of a sudden go, whoops. I, I, I'm one of the few um, people who loves that, that album. That didn't by the work. Way. <laughs> Nobody else likes that yeah. album except for me. That, um, was, that was actually the album that I got into them through, believe it or not. Um, oh, I love Ch- Cherry I, Orchids. I ought to tell my mate Joel from Whitskull about that and go, hmm, okay. Where, where Eagles Dare. There's a few <laughs> other tracks on that album. But I'm seriously a big fan of that album and people hate it. And I think what it is is because when I was starting out, I love – that album and the early Venom catalogue as a guitarist. And I've Cherry spoken... Orchard. Yeah, well, yeah, Cherry Orchids, but I've spoken to um, the guitarist in Venom about all of this sort of stuff. I didn't mention that I loved um, Buddy um, Cold Lake, but, you know, when I was starting to play he guitar... he hang up on you. Well, he, he probably would, but he's a, he's a lovely bloke, so he was, he's one of those oh, things... Oh, Mantis. Yeah, Mantis. Yeah, Mantis. Wonderful guy. Yeah, I spoke yeah. to him only a couple of weeks back, just before I went to Philippines, actually, from his home in Portugal. Um, they're in Venom Inc. these days. I don't yep. know whether you've been keeping up with what they're doing, but yeah, yeah. Um, they've got one of the albums of the year out, as far as I'm concerned at the moment. I mean, I'm an old fan, so I'm I'm biased, but Jesus, I love what they're doing. But I guess, sorry, the, the point being wow. is that, that that guitar playing, that style of guitar playing, I just find it's really easy. I'm, I'm a right-handed guitarist, so it sits really easy with my right yep. hand, my, my right wrist, so I can play it quite easy. So I was finding myself playing along to Cold Lake and playing along to um, Welcome to Hell and Black Metal and thinking, maybe I should be doing this. And I've got to confess, I've never played in a metal band in my life. Um, it sounds Get odd. out there, man. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, mate, but I'm, you know what it is? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a jazz and funk guy at heart. Um, so that's why I play bass. And, um, look, I think part of me now is as I get older, I realize, man, I'm going to go the full hog. I love the first Bathory album, the second Venom album. Yeah. And, um, basically all of the Celtic Frost catalog. I think before my time has expired on this planet, man, I'm going to produce eight tracks of just brutal old school rhythmic black metal. That's what I'm going to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> I might get yep. you in. I might get you in awesome. to, to, to do Primitive. vocals for me, mate, because I do enjoy your vocal. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a crack. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'll so, just do a couple of battery impersonations and black metal. That's right. That's... <laughs> black metal. <laughs> um, the first song I ever learned on guitar was um, "To Hell and Back." Actually, I was explaining that to Mantis. Actually, we had a good chuckle over it. But, uh, but look, I, I really appreciate oh, cool. the fact that guys like him are doing those things. But look, I, I digress. The other thing I wanted to talk about is because you can certainly play guitar. There's no question about that. I was listening to this album, and look, in, in all fairness, mate, and I've got to yep. confess, this is the first album of yours that I've really invested time in listening to, even though it's only been, you know, the 12 or so hours that I've been listening to it. But I, I really found that I enjoyed it. But part of the, one of the main reasons that I truly enjoyed it was your, your guitar playing. Um, I really enjoy your vocal cadence, there's no doubt about that. But I really find with your guitar playing, there's some jazz-inspired chords in there. Is that what's going on, is or there? am I just? Well, that's what I'm hearing, mate. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Well, I'm, I'm not a, the, I'm not a, I'm left-handed, but I play right-handed. I'm not a theory guy. Um, I don't know a whole lot, to be honest. You know, um, I just play a bit of acoustic stuff at home. I, at the end of the day, I just find things on there and and um, record it and go back and try to work it out later and see if it fits in what we're doing. And that's kind of how I do it. I remember reading a guitar interview with a guitarist from Tool. Adam Jones, and he says a lot of my ideas come from sitting on the couch watching TV, playing guitar. And I kind of went, hang on, that's what I do. You know, there's times where I've gone into my room and sat down and gone, okay, time to write some riffs, and it just doesn't come. And then other times mm. I'm sitting there plucking away, watching a movie or something, and then I'll strum something and go, hang on, pause the movie and listen back and go, oh, that's pretty cool. And I got some other friends of the theory that said, that's a really cool chord. Do you know the name of it? And I said, no, I don't. And other friends just, other friends I know in bigger bands say, I'm the same. I don't know shit. Just play what sounds good. And I've always stuck mm. with that philosophy. And, well, that's, that's a compliment to hear that, you know, it's not a good guitar because I've never, I've never really had many people. Other people have said, have you thought about a second guitar player? And I thought, here we go, no, because I'm rubbish. not shredding yeah. and soloing. But I've... I've developed, I know I have, since the last album, um, but I've always been a riff guy, I've always been, you know, that the you've got to have a good, catchy part, but not intentionally, we've got to write a catchy riff so people can sing along to it, I've got to enjoy what I've written first and then present it to the other guys, and if they like it and they hear it for the first time and go, that's pretty cool, then we sort of go from there, you know, I don't need their reassurance, but I just think, I like this what do you think of that? And then we just sort of go from there. So, yeah, who knows what I'm going to come up with next. But I've, old school thrash, I love that. I just love playing that stuff as well. But then I love acoustic style playing and come up with some minor chords and then yeah. move a finger here and there and swap things around and go, I like the sound of that. And then, like I said before, that recently I a lot of those keyboard ideas have been have stemmed from some of those chords that you mentioned that I've just gone, okay, I'm just going to put that on keyboard and see if it complements the other guitar part that I've done sort of go yeah, you're from an, there. You're an intuitive so. player. That's what I'm picking up because it's it's not about the theory. You actually yeah. know what fits musically. That's what it is. And that's what the other friends that are really good guitar players say to me. They say, you choose your notes well. And I said, well, it does take me longer to get there than someone like yourself that knows where you're going on the fretboard, but then sometimes they say, 
it's kind of pigeonholed me in the box that that's how I've learned mm. as a player opposed to someone like me that has learnt the basics and then just gone off and played. And that's kind of what I've always done. And yeah, there is slight intimidation from towards other players, but then over the years I've just learnt to say, bugger it, I'm just expressing myself, just being me, you know, like I'm not reinventing anything, I'm just being me. And it's nice to to have that compliment you mentioned as well, that people can say, you know, you're doing your own thing and it's hard to put a finger on it. And it's good to hear some friends have heard our stuff and said, when I heard the first riff, it was you guys. And I thought, wow, that's great. You know, we just want 250 million other people to jump on board now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fair point. So look, I'm going to digress at this point and, I'm going to offer a compliment to your, to your brother, who's, of course, got the flu at the moment. But yep. I really admired a narrative that he maintained during his time on the uh, Triple J show, Three Hours of Power. I think that's what it was called when he was on it. But anyway. Um, oh, Full Metal, Full Metal Racket, sorry, full I think metal it was. Racket, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm, an, I'm old school, sorry, yep. mate. So it's, it's, um, I haven't listened to Triple yep. J in years, to be honest with you. But, he, but Andrew Lockwood. <laughs> I don't know what it is about. It was at andrewhogue.com, 24-7 rock metal radio. Get on board, get the app. There you go, people. Talk it up. Get it in. Get it into you. Free app. Go to the Google store. (laughs) Is it on on, um, the uh, iPhone app? Is it on the Apple uh, platform? Yeah, iPhone app. It's on the Android app. Yep, on the platform. Just go there and download it. Done. Free. All right, there you go, people. Actually, I'm I might add, mate, most of the people who listen to my podcast, uh, so the people who are listening to this via the podcast, um, they're from overseas. Yep. Barely anybody's from Australia. Oh, so, cool. Um, yeah, that's the reason I asked awesome. that, because they won't be listening on radio. or. Um, so if you've got a desktop app, because I noticed just by the, the data that I get, most people listen to my podcast via a desktop app. What can they, Andy's show, what would that be available to somebody in Indonesia, for example? How would they find his show? Um, oh, I'm trying to think. He runs all that sort of stuff. Is there a word, word, word that they can oh, you go just to? Pop it. Um, oh, it'd be just, I think it's, I'm in front of my computer right now. Just give me two seconds. I'd be like Andrew Hogue, I think Andrew Hogue Radio or andrewhogue.com. There's just a website you go to and then it'll link you straight to the, um, to the show. Yeah, andrewhogue.com. Okay. One and, word. And for, for the international listeners, Hogue is spelled H-A-U-G. Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep, that's it. So okay. just type in andrewhope.com and the, the radio and the radio station comes up. Um, there's a free app, iPhone app now. There's a link for that. Yes, so type in andrewhope.com and it'll come up. And, um, yeah, it's playing right now. All right, cool. The cool thing about that's my it, podcast... It's andrewhope.com. The cool thing about my podcast, mate, is that most people listening and come from far-flung places, such as Saudi Arabia, the US, Europe... Uh, and the like. So get if you wow. want some Aussie metal, get in India. Do that. Yep. Yep. Do it. It's well, and he plays. He plays a, a, a cross section, as you know. Like at the moment, there's Watain on there, and then he'll go into playing, you know, like a Melbourne band circles or something like that. And then he'll play near Bliviscaris, and then he'll play some Grand Magus and Gojira, and he just cross section of everything, you know. Lots of stuff. Burger right. Kill, play them as well from. From so Indo. Words, yeah, it plays everything. Like metal, if so, you like metal right. in general, this is your one-stop shop. Yep, 24-7. <laughs> just stay up 24 hours a day and listen to metal. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with that. I totally agree. So, <laughs> mate, the point I was making before was that Andrew often spoke about 
the metal community and the need for comradeship. And it's something that I feel strongly yep. about and it's something that I feel is surely lacking if you read those insidious message boards on Blabbermouth and Metal Sucks and all those other goddamn oh, you know, yep. metal sites. You know. It's very negative. It's Mate, it's, yep. it's awful. I've, I've, as I say, I've, I've interviewed close to 200 uh, musicians at the moment and I learnt very early on in the piece not to send things into Blabbermouth or those other sites because they get picked up and they take the most negative aspect and they promote yep. that and the artist gets hammered. And I can't stand that. And uh, Oh, there are some funny comments on there, though. <laughs> but, oh, there are some funny ones, but there are some really the... stupid ones, you know, too, that just don't... Oh, there are. There's some horrible ones. Yeah. And it's... Look, yeah. I'm just somebody who's got two children, right? So I tend to think about all these sorts of things. And I think... I don't know where to start, to be honest with you. It sort of... Um, it sort of makes you lose faith in humanity in one respect, in in one way. But anyway, I don't yeah. I digress, and I don't it want affects, to be too serious about it. It affects yeah. you, yeah. Yeah, it does. It does affect you. You know, like for, for yeah, yeah, for us, of, of course. You know, we've copped a lot of crap over the years. So I'm not going to sit here and have a have a sook about it. Um, and a lot of things have been tied into what Andrew's sort of been involved with with his radio stuff that, oh, you know, he's in a band too. Oh, so he can't do more than one thing. It's tall poppy syndrome, the Australian yes. sort of attitude. Massive poppy um, in Australia. You know, yeah. that it is, and it's never going to change. It was, it was like that when ACDC were around in the early days, which is why they went overseas and said, see ya, you know, we, we deserve something better. Um, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing and... You know, I, I just try to keep things simple. If someone appreciates what you do and they buy what you what you do, um, they're the people you want in your life. You know, if the people are going to bag things, usually the, I find usually the people that bag are people that were in bands and are no longer in bands, um, people that wish they could do it but are obviously very insecure and very scared to get up there and do it and cop criticism like all the bands that get out there and do it. Um, you know, Devin actually said to me after we did the tour with them because we had people, horrible reviews, but they weren't really, people didn't put a face to the name. They weren't proper reviewers. Anyone could so have a review. So you had reviews about your, your, your show in particular as Contrive or just the tour in general with Devin? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, just after and I, we don't deserve to be in the tour and blah, 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 Andrew Hoax band and all their shit. No, yeah, it's going back years. But Devin just said, look, just as like what's important is your relationship between each other and what you do and the bigger you get the worse it is so just just don't even t- pay attention to it you know and it's hard not to just avoid it because some friends go oh there's a review I don't want you to read it and then you get intrigued and you read it and you go okay and we're going to be people are going to say oh these guys are still going they're crap whatever but then if we're hearing these guys are great they're doing their thing so you got to take the good with the bad and I know it's hard because like you said you got kids and we live in a world where everyone is so inferior of, of being hurt by someone and saying the wrong thing. And there's high suicide rates for kids today that they can't, you know, express themselves because yes. someone will bully them online. It's, yeah, horrible things going on. And that's you know? what, that's but, what um, I'm concerned about. It's like, I can handle it, to be honest. And look, I, as I say, I've interviewed everybody from, well, when I say everybody, I've interviewed the members, oh, a member of Morbid Angel to members of Pantera to everybody in between. And yep. I've read the comments about my interview technique afterwards and and rarely are they negative, but a few times I've read it and I thought, like, I'm not going to say that they're, they're, they're so overly negative that they're, like, maybe question my my uh, consciousness or my reason to live or anything like that. Yeah. But I read it and I think, God, what would my kids think if they read this? 
And my, my youngest, mm. my eldest daughter is four and a half, and she's very digital. She's what you'd call a digital native. Yeah, oh, yeah. My youngest, who's almost yep. three, doesn't care. But you, you'd be surprised, mate. Young <laughs> girls, you mentioned you had a niece or a nephew earlier. You know, how, how old were you? You mentioned yep, that they were into yep. the iPads or the iPhones and... My God, they're tw- they're twelve going on. They're going on sixteen, seventeen. That's yeah. how advanced because of technology has sped everything up for us. That you know, and their attitudes and, and and what they know at that age is not what you and I knew at our age. But then people sort of say, well, our parents blocked us from this and that when we were kids. We should have known about this and and you know can't grow up that quickly, you know. But with this technology and the way of life and how quick things are going. It can't really be slowed down. It can't really be helped, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, I look at the comments, but, um, and I think I yeah. can, I can handle. To be honest, it's not that I don't want to invite negative comments, okay? But I'm just saying that I can handle mm. it because I guess I can. I'm not that sensitive or what have you. But what happens if some people read it who can't handle it and think, "Is this how brutal the world is?" And this is the point. Like poor old. Yeah, it is. You know, you have like, to build a thick. You have to build a thick skin. And Andrew's copped it. And you know, from Andrew being. Moved on from Chris, Triple yes. J. He didn't leave. He got moved on. Is that right? Um, is that what, that, I, I don't mean to pry, but is that, yeah. is that what happened there? He got moved on, did he? Because he was awesome. Yep. Yep, they did. They basically kind of just said, you know, time to get someone New blood younger whatever, and fresher whatever or whatever. Yeah. You know, then he's gone ahead and built his his 24-7 radio thing, and it's buried it. It's, it's, it's amazing, you know, and he's got no beef with the guy. Um, what's his name? Lachlan. He played our track a couple of weeks ago as well on the show, and that was cool. Um, yeah, the young so kid, yeah, the, you know, the, the no earring kid with... that they've got in there at the moment, or the, what, the, what, they, what they call his earrings of spaces, yeah, whatever, I don't know, whatever, but I, I've tried to, I've reached out to him to try to interview him, actually, but he never responded, but I don't blame him for that. It's probably because he gets 100 requests a week or so for that sort of thing, but I always felt, I just want to, you know, go back to what I was saying earlier. I, I really appreciated Andy's attitude. Sorry, I don't mean to call him Andy. I just call everybody with Andrew Andy because that's what I get called. Um, but I really appreciated Andrew's attitude and the narrative that he took when he was hosting the show because uh, we are a community. And he, he mentioned that quite a bit. Yep. And this whole thing about people going on it. And they're not a, generally speaking, they aren't Australians that go onto the, these goddamn message boards on mess, Metal Sucks and PRP. Um, invisible oranges yep. and blabbermouth. But my, my question yep. from that point would be this. Do you feel supported by fans in Australia and what would you change about the metal scene in Australia? Um, well, we've never had a big following, that's completely honest. Um, despite having big support slots with some of our famous friends that say we want you guys to play and it hasn't really benefited us because of the whole jealousy sort of thing. But we're friends with lots of band, uh, guys in totally different bands. We've never had any beef or issues with other guys in bands and bad talk them and get on forums and all that sort of stuff. But I have seen a big divide over the years because there's a newer generation that's come up and they would look at, you know, for example, some of these 20-something-year-olds look at Metallica as dad rock, you know, because oh, my dad's like in his 40s and like, you know, he's in the Metallica, that's so old. You know, um, they're a bit sort of, you know, their attitude's very different and it's sort of, it should be, doesn't matter what age, metal doesn't discriminate. Everyone should be like, hey man, I like this band, I'll check out that band. But then that's leaning towards, you know, talking about some of the negative. But then I worked in retail for many years 
And I see dudes that are in their late 20s now that I've met since I was 16, 17, going to gigs. They're still passionate. They're hungry. They'll say to their other mate, this is Paul. He got me into this band and that band, and I'm so thankful for him. And and I finally got to see Megadeth, and I love him, and oh, it's awesome. And that, to me, <laughs> is awesome. It's great. That's what I prefer to listen to and be around people that are like that because by, by human nature, anything negative, we, in more, in more so today, we've, we sort of take more notice of it and think, what can we do to improve it? We don't sort of go, ah, don't care about that. Next, it's a big focus now. Negativity is a big focus of keep away from negativity. Don't listen to what people say. Don't get bullied. And by bringing it to the forefront makes everybody think about it so much. That's how I sort of see it. But yeah, with the scene, you know, it's, 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 it's changed a lot, but it's, it's, I'm not saying it's growing, but it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going anywhere, but it's just going to keep going and it's good. It's healthy. There are some great bands out there. I just say to people, if you like, like Andrew always does, there's bands that he plays on his station that he doesn't really like, but he's catering for everybody and says, get out there and support them. If you like a band that plays a mix between Manowar and, I don't know, (laughs) Burzum, go and check them out. You know what I mean? Just even though today there's 90 subgenres, bands will play five genres in one song and you go, ooh, I'll go and check out if you like a mixture of that. But yeah, you know, it's, it's still, you know, the scene's still happening, but it'd be good to... You know, for, sadly, we don't have the sound wave thing anymore. Um, Metal for the Brain yeah, that is died many years thing, ago yeah. now. Yeah. Um, that It'd be great if there was something like that that came along that was able to showcase a v- variety of bands. But then, of course, it goes back to 80 million bands in Australia and only 30 or 40 can get picked. And then people will be saying, oh, like even when Metal for the Brain was still going, the early days of internet chatting, people were oh, they don't deserve to be on it, they're shit, they're crap. Because they're either friends of another friend's band that wants to get their friend's band on there and they're just having a dig and things like that. So, yeah, I just sort of just go, it's not whatever. You know, you can't change people. These people, it's a reflection of who they are with being so negative on what they have to say and everybody has a platform now to say what they want to say, you know. Um you, you, it's not you police, of course, because free speech, you know. And, and, but you mentioned something earlier, which I, I think is, look, as I say, look, my wife's half, half Croatian, half Filipino. So we spend a lot of, we have spent a lot of time in the Philippines because of her family being over there. Yeah. Um, Asia, from an Australian perspective, being on our doorstep is an untapped market. And just reading your Facebook bio and something that you mentioned uh, during our discussion um, you're one of the first, if not the first, Australian metal band to play in Vietnam, and you got it. You, you you were a massive draw when you were over there. What would it take for more Australian bands to 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 mine this? You know, when I'm just I'm just talking commercial terms here. What would it take for an Australian band to mine this market? Because they're clearly there. I mean, I've just spent some time in the Philippines. As I say, I've seen the best guitarist I've ever seen with my own eyes. I just saw five five or six nights ago, on a bar in um in, on 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 a stage in a bar in Cebu. In Lapu Lapu City, um, this guy could play almost anything from the Richie Blackmore stuff through the, through to the um, Led Zeppelin stuff. This guy was brilliant. They love guitar-based music in Asia. Why aren't we mining this? Um, that's the thing. Uh, lack of, not so much lack of promoters. Um, 
I've been to Indonesia many times through dad, so I know what people are like and been to Vietnam as well before that. That's a lot of people I know here as a band, they'd be like, no, what do we do? How do we get there? Or who would do this? And they would, they're not very comfortable with it. You know, they're not sort of. With the, with the promoter? Open is that what to it comes do it down and, to? Is that, in your view, is that what it yeah, comes with, down to, the promotional some of it, Yeah, some of, it, some of it, yeah, and it can be a bit of a language barrier as well as how to organise things and and what you do here is completely different over there. And I've worked at the Hammersonic Festival twice and that's just as professional as any other festival I've been to in Europe. Um, it's just got Sorry, a mate, different just for the take on it. Hammersonic? Um, in Jakarta. Okay, nice. Okay. Indonesia. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of bands, some either wait to be invited and hope that someone's going to bring them over there. For us as a band, we've knocked on doors and we continue to do that. And some bands would, oh, so how'd you get over there? Can you send me your promoter's name? Cheers. You know, you just get these, we're expected to, to do it. It's like, hang on. You're it's just like having your own business. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you say, well, you've got to get out there. A lot of it's networking and sure, you could be a Malmsteen, you could be a chump as well. But <laughs> if you can't sell yourself as another human being with respect and um, common sense towards another person with good communication skills, you don't have anything. That's how I look at it. And but we're you know, able was... to do that with how we are as people, you know, and meet people yeah. and say, hey, we we want to bring our music and play it for people over there. We hope to get back over there sometime, hopefully before the end of the year, if we can. Mm. So, so when I was over in Cebu, Angel Corpse of all bands, Angel Corpse played Cebu when I was there. I missed it because it's not really well promoted, and you have to sort of dial into the local version of Facebook mm. and get you know the local caches or what have whatever it might be on Facebook to sort of pick up on the fact that you're there. And internet coverage there isn't great either, so therefore access to Facebook isn't. But Mate, of all bands, Angel Corpse, who are one of the underground's greatest death metal bands, in my view, um, played there and, mm. and drew a massive audience. When I looked at where they'd been, mate, they'd been all over Southeast Asia. There are pathways to do that, and, and you've just hinted at it as well, but it really is up to the individuals, whether it be the band management or the band members themselves, to be, I'm going to use this word, entrepreneurial, and to forge those pathways. That's what it is, because it's... It's an open playing field, and that's what my brother mentioned as well. And no, I met the guys from Christian when they've toured here before, but I had nice. breakfast with them at the hotel in um, in Jakarta at the Hammersonic Festival I was working at. And Love that band. I was flying home that, band, that day. Yeah. yeah, and they were going to Bangalore that, that following day. That's and right. then yeah. by the time I flew I home, it. I'd see yeah, yeah, everything on the net. And and I went to Brazil. I was in Brazil two months ago, and Alex was like, yeah, hit me up, man, when you come to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, didn't get a chance to, but, um, yeah, I was like, these guys, they're three brothers and they manage themselves. They organize everything. Sure. They've got a bit of label support and they've done the groundwork over the years. They're a hardworking band. They tour all the time. Friends in Brazil. So those guys are never home. They're always touring. And yeah, they've made inroads with other promoters and still, still do that sort of stuff. And that's what it is. You've got to go to the source. You know, you can't, I, I've met people still at gigs. Yeah, you know, are you guys going to get back out and start playing? Yeah, we'd love to play with you guys. And I go, yeah, call me, hit us up. Oh, we've got a manager and she's got to do this. And I've even said for years, in this country, in this scene, you don't need a manager. You can do it yourself. Agreed. Ring yes. a venue. We want to get added, we want to get added to a, um, to a bill like we started. We, 
we were like known as the emergency band when we first started out. We were playing on a Monday <laughs> night at eight o'clock. I um, band that. pulled out, yeah. you know, and we we yeah. did a lot of groundwork to start with, you know, and just to gain more live experience and to get out there a lot more. And you know, some people can be a bit complacent and think, oh, you know, we're just using the internet and stuff like that. But you still got to meet people. You still got to um, contact people and say, hey, we're interested. It is, like I said, entrepreneurial skills. You've got to try to find different ways than just what everyone else has done and and you can't look at a Metallica documentary and watch them starting out from 1983 and go well we did this and this is this is this kind of led to our pathway of success totally irrelevant today it's a great success story but it's irrelevant to what is happening today because today it's so open to do your own thing and that's why we just said to ourselves hey Let's be a two-piece. I haven't seen any two-piece twin brothers before. That's a cool thing um, in metal. You know, I'm not going to mention the bros or anything like that. Just did. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just, you know, you can just do whatever. But when it comes to touring parts of Asia, like good friends from Adelaide band Truth Corroded, they've been over many times. They played in Taiwan as well. They've even played Vietnam and um, and Bangkok, like we have as well. And yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it's just so open, but then it can be hit and miss as well because, yeah, sometimes promoters can say on the other end, yeah, yeah, we've got everything organised for you, and you get there and it's there's half a symbol. What? What's this? Yes. Um, yeah. You know, it can yeah. be it can be miscommunication as well or not understanding, and that's where a lot of bands that are bigger don't go to those territories purely because of the uncertainty of the corruption that's involved yeah. there as well. I understand um, that. Yeah. The the rubber watch, oh, I've forgotten the term in, in um, which was sort of talked that, yeah, everything be okay. A rubber watch, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? That it's, what time? Five o'clock, yeah, everything will be good. Come five o'clock, nothing's happening. And then they're all still cool about it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And you yeah. go, you're stressing trying to get a show together. But, um, yeah, I keep, sorry, I, I go on tangents. Um, as far as, you know, with the scene and other bands, just get out there and, do things too, you know, and do it. just like yeah. we are, just like anyone else, you know, that's what you got to do. Would you recommend a, a young, so I'm, obviously I'm a Queenslander and, and I know a reasonable amount of young bands up here from uh, Gympie, Sunshine Coast, where, where I'm from, the Sunshine Coast. And yep. um, so they're looking to do different things and, you know, the big city, the big smoke, even though it's not that far away is Brisbane, which isn't that big, you know, even compared to Melbourne, where you've got Cherry Bar and all these other places that are open until all sorts of hours. Would you recommend that they take the jump? And I'm only asking your opinion here, of course. Um, would you recommend that these young bands go, you know what, we've got the world at our feet here. We're 24, I'm 24 years of age, or we're collectively average age of the band is 24 years of age. Let's do this. Let's go and tour the Philippines or Indonesia. Let's go and forge these tides. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, we've got a heck of a story to tell. Oh, exactly. I'm one of these people that goes, oh, I wish I did that when I was their age. It can be a bit of that hindsight sort of thing, but yeah, they've got nothing to lose. Um, just get out there and just try to do it. We're still doing the same. We're still just going, okay, we're going to start the contact. You know, I've got friends. I've been to Japan seven times. I've got lots of friends over there. Japan is a very hard market unless you're a big, big sort band, of known yeah. band and you have, yeah, and uh, as well. And, and you actually have official releases in Japan that people can actually go and buy because Japan, I love, you know, CD shopping, yeah, vinyl shopping there is one of the last Japan, places it? on yeah. earth. It yeah. is, yeah. yeah. And, um, 
you know, for us, we say, oh, lots to go over there. And I know a few people, but it's not as easy as it is. But then again, you see some bands that I haven't even heard of that are from Australia going over there and playing. And it's like, because, yeah, everyone is doing their own thing their own way. You know, there isn't a certain set way of doing things, you know. So it's just, it's open, it's open slather pretty much, you know. Yeah, cool, mate. So, yeah, these guys in Queensland just get out there and just rock. I think there's a perception sometimes that when you're from Queensland, you're still from a country town is, is, is the point that I make further to the one that I made earlier. And this whole idea that, oh, you've got to move to Melbourne or when you never moved to Sydney, don't get me wrong, people from Sydney, but you wouldn't do it. Um, but you'd move to Melbourne from yeah. a musical perspective. But there's not really necessary, is it? No, not anymore. Even bands I know that are from Sweden, um, there's no, oh, the, the band is starting to take off. We have to relocate to LA, you know, to one of my best mates, Joel from um, Airborne. Those guys, oh, they're course, Australian yeah. Yeah. through and through and through. They're doing their first South American tour. They've nearly finished the end of it. Um, these guys are based here, um, but their market is is Europe, pretty much all over the world except here. They've kind of gone the That's ACDC so sort of thing yeah. that they, they, they have got a following here, don't here. get me wrong, yeah. but yeah, but their market is, elsewhere and they and you go where the market is and we're still tapping into that and and um you know play here and we'll try to play elsewhere as well you know all right mate we're, we've almost hit actually we're well over the hour mark so it is your birthday and i'm going to wish you wow. a very happy 44th birthday but before i let you go brother thank you andrew i don't don't say how old i am mate <laughs> just say i'm 18 years old you know like look like sebastian bach was kid right Oh, except I read his book when I was in the Philippines, funnily enough, because uh, as I say, oh, there's no well, I haven't read it yet. Oh, it's a, I won't I won't give you anything away, but it's a bit of an eye opener at points. You know, it's not it's not like the Dirt by Motley Crue or anything like that, or that book by Carmine Apice. But it's um, yeah, there are parts of it that are a bit of an eye opener actually, and um, yeah. Anyway, I'll leave it at that because I'm a massive Skid Row, Skid Row fan, as I think we all are as metal fans. But uh, yeah, there are parts of yeah, your first drums amazing. Yeah, he probably spent precious few times, precious few chapters talking about the formation of Skid Row. It was really more about him and his opinions on things that happened. Um, but look, he's entitled to do that. And uh, probably my favourite guitarist of all time, with all due respect to your good self, mate, was uh, is uh, Ralph Santola, who was in Deerside, Iced Earth, and Obituary. Um, and he played in. Uh, oh yeah. He played in Sebastian Bach's band, and I've had a couple of chats to him in the last twelve months about his time in all of these bands and uh, in particular his time in the Sebastian Bach band. So I won't air any, it's certainly no dirty laundry, but um, yeah, Sebastian Bach is definitely a lead singer and I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard and read things. (laughs) I've heard many things. Heard many things, well. Well, mate, before I let you go, as I say, there are three questions that I ask everyone or most of my interview subjects, I should say. Sometimes I don't have the uh, the time or the opportunity to do so. But since I've got it here, unless you tell me otherwise, I'd love to ask you three questions. And the first of the three questions is, if you could choose three words to describe yourself, mate, what would those three words be? Three words to describe myself? Oh. Well, honest. Friendly, metal. Nice. <laughs> that's it, I think. Definitely. I hope all that's right. all right. No, it's good, mate. Summarise as far as I'm certainly in the air. Uh, one hour, 11 minutes and 27 seconds we've been talking. That certainly summarises you nicely. 
So I'll go to the next. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'll go to the next question, which is that if you could go back to when you're 18 and give yourself some advice, what advice do you think you'd give? Um. Oh, well, I think about it every day, to be honest. Um. I don't know. I'm still in. Well, I still feel the same as what I did then. But then again, I'd probably tell myself just to not stress about stuff that's not worth stressing about and worry about, you know, the negativity and what, what people think and what people say because as you get older, you don't really care much of that, about that. I'd probably say to myself, Great on that. don't worry about yeah. it at all, you know. You just sort of... You don't give a shit, do you, as you enjoy yourself. You realise that it's no point in caring. I say that to my yeah, wife all the time. You know, Who cares? Not, yeah. not in a negative sense where you're being rude and hurting other people, exactly. but just sort of yeah. saying that, hey, you shouldn't care about the way that you perceive yourself amongst other people. You are who you are, and if people accept you for who you are, great. If they don't, then they don't. You know, you can't always please people, you know? No, And just, just from the listener's perspective, you know, after 11 or 12 years uh, as an account executive at Telstra, um, I got out and I've decided to follow the path that I probably always should have followed. So you've got to be yourself. I mean, that's what you're saying there, and you exactly. can't apologize for being you. You know, um, it's well, difficult sometimes. In, exactly. I work in, yep, I work in retail for many years. I won't name the company I work for. Where I was going to ask you, mate, you mentioned that a, the country and it was awesome. You mentioned that a couple of times, but can you What's mention that? it or can you mention it or is it, you can't mention it, who you work for? Oh, I could, yeah, JB Hi-Fi, uh, many, many, many years ago. Well, um, here, yeah. But now, you know, do, doing that, it, it was great. I even know the job itself, which just, putting stock out, whatever, CDs, I was, I used to get in trouble because I, I had, I'd go upstairs and a delivery would turn up where I'd get a new album of someone, then there's like five metal dudes waiting downstairs, just foaming at the mouth, waiting for it, and my manager would say, Paul, no, you're not touching that, and I go, I've got to get it out there, everyone's, uh, you know, and I was just passionate, I loved it, you know, and, and doing that sort of stuff where I was just out there supporting it, and just to look on people's faces like me, they're just excited about it, getting something that they look forward to buying and things like that. So, and for the job I do now, I do disability work. I look after people with disability, oh, and okay. that's a big that's a big change. But it's also inspiring to see that you know when you see people without disability complaining about things that aren't worth complaining about, you go, hey, this person has this and they didn't ask for it, but they've got it and they've got to make the best of what they got, you know, and, um, yeah, it puts, you know, it puts things in perspective for me at times, you know, that sometimes it can be a horrible job, but it is what it is. But, um, yeah. No, good on I you, mate. Thanks for, thanks for mentioning that. I just thought it was important because I think I just, you know, even for the international listeners, um, JB Hi-Fi is like, um, what Sam Goody's in the States used to be. And, um, you know, it's a product driven place so it's all about cds or records or um you know hi-fi equipment and all the rest of it and mate you're just trying to give people what they want you had a manager telling you not to do it which sucks that's disgraceful to be yep. honest with you that's that's oh, right. i had moments yeah like that sort of stuff you know that oh, i'd be chatting to guys about metal and stuff for half an hour then i get taken aside you need to uh go and do this sort of stuff now over in that area you need to go and do this you've been talking too much and i go that's part of the job you know, so yeah, anyway, that was many, many years ago, but I left of my own accord. There was no beef, no drama, so I've still got good friends that still work for the company and whatnot, and I still get my discounts. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. But yeah, no, I just want to say thanks for the interview, Andrew. It was great chatting, and it's, uh, 
oh, first interview I've had in many years and probably one of the best I've had. And um, to all the, all the listeners out there, thanks for taking the time to listen to Andrew and myself and checking out our band, Could Drive. And uh, we hope to um, see you soon. Just get on board. Thank you, oh, brother. It's been, it's, the word. it's been great. Yeah, and look, I, I do encourage anybody internationally or domestically here in Australia to get behind the release. When I say get behind the release, check it out at least on iTunes. When's it released, mate? Um, oh, it was released on the 1st of September, and we've got it up okay. on some spot. It's on every digital forum. Yeah, Spotify, um, iTunes, you can buy them directly through us. Just go to contrive.com.au. Yeah. website and there's a big cartel there we've got merch we've got some really shirts turned out amazing we've got shirts and hoodies and we've got the cd which yeah, is pretty limited yeah um so yeah we've got that and we've got the the connect dead video clip which you can see on on youtube as well so great video by the way giving yeah, everything I mean, a right cool plug. yeah i mean you've done just quickly right, I'll, I'll just offer this I, I, you're online your online presence is of high quality. So I just want to say to any fans that want to get involved, yep. it's all there. It's not one of those situations where you have to really dig for it and hope for the best. You know, the, there's a great video. Yep. The quality, also the production quality and the mastering and the mixing of the album is great. Um, and anybody yep. that's a fan of, um, you know, the old school listeners, okay, so if you're, if you're a fan of Coroner, get into it. Any of the new school listeners, if you love Devin Townsend, get right into it as well. It's all there. Yep, awesome. No, great comparison. I'm, I'm, I'm honoured and humbled to be compared to such greatness. You know, that's great bands, great people, and they're just honest guys too, doing what they love, you know, and that's how it should be. And it's just great to connect with people as well that hopefully will contact us after this interview and here in the podcast and say, yeah, I really dig the band. So keep playing it, man. Keep giving it a spin. <laughs> well, I'm going to post this. To, I'll do this tonight, actually. I'll post it to my Facebook, uh, my social media profiles on Facebook and Twitter. I'll tag you, yourself and your brother into it via your um, band page, of course. But I want to congratulate you both again for a wonderful release. Uh, as I say, I'm not bullshitting. I think it's a yeah, wonderful. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much. It's probably one of my, it's probably, if not my Australian, uh, my favourite Australian release of the year. One of my favourite Australian releases of the awesome. year. Awesome. Um, I love Thanks so I'm much. I'm 39 Andy. years of age, mate. I love stuff that I can listen to with the kids. This is one of those albums. I'm not trying to put anybody out there that's offered that's a hardcore metal listener. It's got its brutal heavy moments, but at the same time, you can certainly listen to it and you can absorb everything that's going on. We're about dynamics, man. That's the thing. It's just, you know, just light and shade. Otherwise, we get bored if it's just jackhammer all the way through. Exactly. Um, yeah. People hear that hear that from start. They'll know from the first riff to the last riff of the album that that's what they heard. And each song, to me, which we've always written, has has to represent itself. And we've 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 played apart from little acoustic interlude bits and pieces we've done on previous EPs and stuff. Every song that we've ever recorded, we've played live many times because mm. that's what you write a song for, to play live, you know, and to appeal to people. And, um, yeah, we'll just continue to do what we do. Well, thank you very much, brother, and I'll certainly be in the crowd when you play the Sunshine Coastal Brisbane. Yep, very good, and I look forward to meeting you face-to-face. -face. We'll be right. in touch. Likewise, brother. Thank you so much again, eh? No worries, mate. You take care. No worries, mate. Thanks again. Gotcha. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That was Paul Hogue from the Melbourne Outfit Contrive. Thanks so much for listening.